Good afternoon and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse early stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I'm super excited to introduce you to Samantha McKenna, founder of Hashtag Sam Sales Consulting. She is a limited partner of the GTM Fund, is an advisory board member of the Sales Academy, is a strategic advisor at Dooley, a frequent guest lecturer, an all-around sales influencer, role model, and amazing human being. Samantha, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Heidi, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm sort of fangirling a little bit. I got to, <laughs> I got to admit. So, thank you. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you taking the time. But uh, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about your organization and your journey into sales? Sure. So, hashtag Sam Sales started uh, kind of what you were saying, a, a movement. It started uh, as a movement from things I was posting on LinkedIn, probably for the last uh, gosh six or seven years. And I started posting under this hashtag to just share my own sales tips with other people. Every time I was sharing them, you know, internally at my company with my peers or my boss's boss or my boss's boss's boss, they were like, that's so genius. We should do that. And I'm like, wait, why are you in that position? And I'm not. Um, but I started to think <laughs> it was helping people internally and would help people externally. And uh, our organization focuses basically on any sales challenge you have, whether it's standing up your organization internally, hiring salespeople training them on all things sales or LinkedIn. Um, and we do an inordinate amount of go-to-market consulting for small organizations and keynote speaking as well. In fact, I did 30, uh, 30 keynote speeches this year in the first eight weeks of the year. So I will tell you, oh I was gosh. pooped after You're that. You're such a slacker. Really. I know. <laughs> no. Set, setting the bar high for 2022. Um, but my, you know, my sales career, I think it probably started a lot like uh, most of your listeners or your aspiring, aspiring sales ladies out there. Um, I fell into sales by accident. In fact, the first sales job that I got, I turned down and then wisely negotiated an extra $5,000 in OTE to take the job. Um, but it was, you know, for me, I think whether the light bulb moment really came on for sales was um, knowing that we were doing something to help other people. And that's what I love inside and out about this role. I get to help people figure out how to sell, how to make more money, how to build relationships better. Uh, and with that, I spent the last 15 years of my career in an enterprise sales. I hold the record for being the first female to get promoted from individual contributor to executive ranks at one of my former employers, 22 year history or so. Uh, and then spent the rest of my career after being an IC uh, as an executive leader, uh, most recently at LinkedIn, running LinkedIn Sales Navigator before starting my own company. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing career. You're, you're an inspiration to so many women. I know. Um, so let's talk a, a bit about what are some of the, the trends that you're seeing today as you're working with a lot of these organizations? And of course, diversity hiring now is a, a box that all of these companies are trying to, to check. And I'm not 100% convinced that uh, at least as it comes to hiring for sales, that they're doing a particularly good job. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing? And and what kind of advice and guidance are you giving to these organizations? 
Yeah. So I think from a, a hiring perspective, you know, there, there's definitely a focus on diversity and inclusion, right? And I think just trying to understand that there are, you know, tons of organizations who haven't quite gotten there yet in terms of understanding what, what does that really mean, diversity and inclusion, right? Um, it doesn't just mean the, the change of gender, the change of our color of our skin. It's also diversity in the age that we hire and the experience and the background. Um, one thing we're even known for at Sam Sales is most, uh, almost all of our hires are expat or military spouses. And I think that's really interesting when you think about the diversity of the experience that they have there. But I think another trend that we're seeing, especially when it comes to sales, is just the focus on the art of, of getting back to relationships and conversations, quality conversations, right? So I think for a period of time, we had company after company after company that could help us scale, 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 scale. It was all about volume, not about quality. And now I think we're back to a place where so many buyers are just, oh, they're overwhelmed, right? They get one bad sales email after another, one bad LinkedIn outreach after another. They get on one terrible discovery call after another, or worse, they get on with a BDR to do a discovery call to qualify them to talk to an account executive. We can talk about that another on another uh, podcast. But I think what's interesting is how do we make sure that these people are building relationships, reaching out the right way, using the art of what we have at Sam Sales called show me, you know me, right? Making sure that they're making personal connections and actually researching the individuals, their companies and the space before they have a conversation and how to then have that conversation properly. An interesting thing that we're seeing, especially as we bring on millennials and our younger generations, are that they communicate differently than a lot of our buyers. So millennials, if you haven't seen much on this, they talk at each other versus asking questions. And what do the buyers want? Our number one thing that our B2B buyers want are active listeners, which means you have to be a good question asker, right? Because to be an active listener, you have to ask a question and then ask a question on top of that question. So it's a trend we're seeing, right? And how do we start to make sure that we're building those better relationships? And how do we make sure we're coaching our reps on how to actually have great conversations? Yeah, that is so important. I, I was invited to participate in a session with Elevate and oh. it was a multi-generational session. And one of the topics that came up was this difference in communication. And yeah. I think it's really interesting to look at it. I, you know, I've always looked at it from a male versus female perspective. Oh, yeah. I think. I think, you know, <laughs> men, they, everybody listens, both men and women listen, but they listen with different intentions, right? Like, I think typically a male rep listens in order to respond Mm -hmm. whereas a female rep listens to understand. Mm -hmm. And maybe we could even unpack that a little bit, but to overlay the generational difference, I think is fascinating. Completely. Yeah, well, and I, I think about it too, just the, the the talking at each other, right? So the generational piece, if I am a young, and, and I am a millennial by just a few months, but I am one, um, <laughs> I guess I'm the, the, the elder millennial, I think uh, one of my favorite comedians always calls us that. Um, but when I think about that, if I'm going after a senior buyer, right, or somebody that is an executive VP at a Fortune 500 company who has been in sales or in their role, right, for 20 or 30 years, they're going to be, they're going to expect me to communicate with them in a different way than I would, you know, with a peer or somebody that's more junior. I think about it just the same way we write our sales sequences to be specific to that buyer persona. 
I'm saying something very different to a C-suite than I'm saying to, let's say, a manager title or a coordinator title. And it's no different in our conversations. But I think if we can even teach our reps, right, of how to have, let's say, art of conversation, we'll be better off. And one of the things that we always say when we, that we teach this as part of Sam's sales, but we say, if this terrifies you, right, if you are a talk about yourselfer and you don't know how to ask questions, just try the active listening piece at home. Try it on your spouse, your partner, your kids, your parents, whomever, and to ask something, something like, how was your day? And when they say it was busy, say, why was it especially busy today? And I promise you, if you don't typically do this, you'll be like, you'll be met with a, whoa, what was that? <laughs> They'll be so surprised that you're doing this and you'll start to learn how to do it. And it'll make you much more comfortable to do it with your buyers too. Yeah. So listening is a, a learned skill. No kidding. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right, right. Listening, listening to understand, seek to understand. I know you've had one of my favorites, Amy Volus on the show, and she always says that, right. Seek to understand instead of making these assumptions. So we have to do that. And the way to do that is through great question asking. I, I agree with that hundred percent. So let's, let's shift a little bit and talk about, as we all know, sales is still predominantly male dominated. Mm. Um, we're, you know, hopefully making a little bit of progress and I know we're all out there talking about it and it's going to take a, take a village, but how can women better support women in, in the workplace and particularly in sales? I, I think what we've got to keep in mind, right, is that we're, we're really, especially when you're working at a company, you're after a collective goal, right? I know we're here after to hit our quota and do all of that, but we're a team. We're here for the betterment of the company. We're here to see our company succeed and rise. And part of that, right, is making sure that we've got great talent internally and that we retain that talent. And so think about it as a female in sales, right? There are so few of us. There's so few female executives in sales and board members that are females and so on and so forth. But how do you, in the seat that you're in, no matter what it is, even if it's your very first job in sales, even if you've been in 20, 30 years, whatever it may be, think about how you can make an impact to the women around you by supporting them teaching them, showing, giving them opportunity, looking to see, maybe you even say like, hey, let's spend 30 minutes together, bring your book of business. Let me see if I know some people in your accounts, what kind of example you can set for each other by supporting each other and being open like that versus being competitive. And I'll tell you, I think one of the things that really made such an impact on me for how I support women and how I champion and sponsor them wherever I can, it's just my, my own personal negative experience. I am, I remember starting a job, uh, somebody had referred me into that job. And I think when they, in the aftermath, I realized it was probably just for the referral bonus and they hoped I would, I would fail. But I remember after a couple of days at the company, I reached out to the person and I said, I, I forgot, you know, to just say, thank you so much for referring me into this role. I'm so excited to be here. Um, would you mind if I reached out for, from time to time to ask you for some help and advice? And I remember what this person said to me and she said, well, no, that's what your boss is for. And I I was stunned. And then she said, and also I have no intention of seeing you succeed. And I, I just, I can't, there's the gasp. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I remember what I was wearing, where I was standing. I was in my, in my hotel room in San Francisco for onboarding and 
it was, it truly was one of those horrible life-changing moments where you said, I'm going, I'm going to do everything I can to counterbalance the effects of people like that in the world. And it was interesting because when they, you know, this person stayed there for several years, um, you know, I succeeded and one rep of the year and president's club and all that jazz. And when the person left, I, I took her to lunch and I said, you know, I just, I wonder what I could have done differently. Like you and I were so successful and man, could we have been so powerful together. Um, but I could just never seem to get over that hurdle with you. You know, what, what can I learn from this? And she just said, it's not you. There's just only so many opportunities to go around for women. And I just didn't want you to be competition for me. And, and again, you know, that's a great for any, any men that we have listening to this podcast, it's a great call to action for you too, don't let that be the perception to women in your organization that, you know, there's two accolades a month to go around for women. Think about how to hire for diversity. Think about how to balance who you hire to make sure you have equal uh, men and women or, you know, we know that women are better sellers anyway. Hey, um, so <laughs> hire yes, more of anyway. <laughs> um, but, it, but I think that to me, there's no, there's no room for that kind of um, attitude uh, in, in the workplace in general, but especially in sales and um, think about what you can do to support other women versus bringing them down and fighting your way to the top. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, but I do think that the mean girl persona is still alive and well, unfortunately. And I think it's out of fear and it's out of competition. And, and frankly, and I don't know if you agree with it, this, I would love your opinion is I think sometimes that culture is permeated within the organizations and, and they pit people against each other and, and women against women, but women against men as well. One of the things I was just on that Revcom a conference that I spoke at and I made the same call to action or a similar call to action to the men is, is bringing more women and being an ally to women in sales does not mean that you're going to lose your job, right? It's just good for business. It's the right thing to do. So, but I don't know there, there is this cultural issue that I think we need to overcome. So I think that no, I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more, right? And I'm I'm hoping that it's fewer and fewer as we continue down. But but we've certainly been in the position where we've had incredibly uh, manipulative leaders, you know, and, and that's tough, especially if you don't quite know where you stand, if you're still trying to find your way in the organization, if this leader sees weaknesses in you and knows that they can manipulate you, right? It's really tough to figure out who's right and who's wrong and who you can trust. It's, it's like we're on survivor here. Um, but I think the thing to think about, right, as a starting point is showing your character to the organization as a whole so that you can, number one, be seen as someone who supports other individuals and who can be trusted. Because, you know, you you mentioned the competition, the, the word competition a moment ago, and I just posted about this on LinkedIn a few days ago, saying how I would walk through fire to help others. And I consistently help people who are my direct competition. Why? Because there's more than enough business to go around for all of us and we'll figure it out, right? It's no big deal. But I think if you show to be that kind of personality internally, and then if you have a leader who is manipulative or tries to pit people against you, you have your character to rest on, right? Like that's resting on the laurels of our character to say, you know me better than this, right? You know that this isn't my personality. And then you've got to figure out, you know, can you build bridges with people you trust? I did have a leader who did this, in fact, the same organization I referenced earlier, 
I remember getting a call from a woman who was, you know, screaming at me about something and it was, it, it turned out everything came out, right. That everything that he had painted had not actually happened. But the thing that helped me was having that good character, right. Always going out of my way to help others and not be that kind of combative person that made that person calm down, realize what was going on and then help us build a trusting relationship so that, that we could kind of navigate things behind the scenes. And I will say one other thing where that I feel strongly is, is women, you know, and I know most organizations are, are against this, but women kind of banding together to share, you know, how they're negotiating their comp, what they're talking about with raises. Um, I know it's such a touchy subject and it can be also a very touchy subject if you figure out that you are differently comp compensated differently than another peer. But this is where I will give, you know, such a, such a hot tip to one of my male peers uh, in Europe who shared with me what he had negotiated in compensation, which was about uh, nearly 10 X what I did in a raise in a particular year. Yeah. Um, but that, but what it did was empower me to go back, finish the quarter strong, which was about half the year. And then basically demand even more money than he had. And I got it, but I would never have had the courage uh, without knowing what was going on behind the scenes. And I'm really always appreciative of somebody trusting enough and made to help me out. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that that confidence and courage comes over time and you have to earn the right. But um, I have been in situations where I, in fact, uh, one job I ended up leaving and I've, I've seen a, a trend. I'd love your opinion on this too. Of What do you think about the idea of leaving an organization in order to try to negotiate more money versus just trying to negotiate for an increase internally. And unfortunately, turnover in sales is such a huge thing. So you um, that perpetuates yeah. the problem if you're not compensating people equally. I think it's a, it's a tough couple of things. So one, I think if you are someone that's trying to negotiate a raise internally, running to the, I'm going to leave if you don't do this is never the right move, right? You need to make sure that one, you have the performance and frankly, the, the internal cultural fit to make a company want to keep you. If I perform, but I'm, you know, an awful human to everybody on my team, my company is going to be a little bit less motivated to keep me depending on their, their culture and their values. than if I was performing day in and day out consistently and was an asset to the company. So if you feel like you're in a position where you're underpaid, I think it's just important important to have a conversation about it. I, I've been in very, I have never been in a position where I felt underpaid, but I've been in a position where I've always wanted, you know, a million dollar raise every year who doesn't. And so I just come to the table with the facts, right. Of my consistent performance of being the first to hit quota every quarter of, you know, starting programs, you know, outside of my normal wheelhouse of doing everything that I'm doing and then saying, you know, I don't think that compensation really matches what I contribute to the organization, how consistently I do it, um, and you know what I bring to the organization as a as a whole, right? What I contribute here. So I want to talk about that. I think the other thing to, to think about there is if the if it falls on deaf ears, if you keep booking meetings and somebody doesn't end up giving the time, et cetera. Um, I think then at that point, like where you've made valiant efforts to have that conversation or to get that conversation to convert, then you have to start to think about where it's going to hurt them, right? And if you know that you would be a loss uh, to that organization, just to say like, listen, like, I want to make this work. I want to stay here. This is really what I need to look at in terms of compensation. This is market value. You know, I'm turning down offers from recruiters every single day to talk to them, but 
you know, at some point, if we can't have this conversation, then that's a conversation I'm going to need to have with them. And the ball's in their court. It's not you saying I'm leaving, you know, it's like, we're breaking up. Okay. Well, let's maybe have a conversation first um, and then go, go that angle to make your demands. Yeah. Agree. Agree as well. I, I, so I was just on an interview with a professor at a university in Canada Mm-hmm. And it was great. And she asked me a really two really interesting questions. And so I'm yeah. going to maybe put you on the spot a little bit, but I know you can <laughs> handle it. Let's hear it. Um, so what one was, you know, what was your biggest challenge being a woman and, mm-hmm. go, and making your way or, you know, up through the ranks, right. As a woman. Mm-hmm. And so that was question one. And the second question was, if you could go back and change it and be a man, would you? And what would you do differently? Well, so I guess that's three two. questions. So we'll yeah. break it down. Uh, so I would I would never change the tables to be um, to be a guy. Um, I am I am. You know, I think I think it's a it's a great challenge to be in this role. And plus, I think there's so many skill sets that that we that just come inherently by us being us that um, that I'm I'm so thrilled to have. I think the biggest challenge, frankly, uh, two two things I would say. Um, one, the way that men are promoted over women, uh, men are promoted over potential. Men are women are being promoted uh, based on the things that they've achieved and, and accomplished having proven their value. I was passed up for promotion. Uh, a guy was promoted ahead of me. I had been to President's Club the last two times and one rep of the year, I think the last two times as well. And the, the gentleman that was promoted over me had never been to President's Club and had the highest his quota had ever hit was 70%. And I mean, that, that was, these were points that I made of how, how do you expect people to follow in the footsteps of someone who can't do it versus follow in the footsteps of someone Someone who can consistently do it. I think the other thing is just the way that uh, words are received from a, a woman versus a man. And what I mean by that is I can say something and then a man can say the same exact thing in a meeting and they're like, oh, it's a brilliant idea. And I'm like, hello. Um, so I, I think just even just learning how to communicate right to my audience is essential. The way I started to write emails to male executive leaders was different than I would write to female executive leaders, um, building in that not only the executive communication, but then also just how I delivered things was critical and being mindful of my own language. Um, as women, we tend to say things like, hey, can you do me a favor? When we ask someone, usually a male peer, to just do their basic job, hey, can you do me a favor and update Salesforce? No, do your job and update Salesforce, right? So things like that, I think we need to also be mindful of um, because we, we can apologize a lot. We can, yeah, we apologize a lot. Um, so that would be my my advice there um, and my 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 uh, biggest challenge there. All right, well, perfect. So I know we're at the end of our time. That was really fast, almost half hour. But, um, is there anything that you would, you know, one, how could our listeners get a hold of you? Um, or is there anything that you'd like to, to promote or have going on that's super cool? 
Oh, you guys just um, go go follow us on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I post a ton of content there. If you take a look at our website, samsalesconsulting.com, you'll also find a way to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it goes out every Friday. We've got over a 50% open rate every week. And I think it's uh, probably because we've got some great stuff in there. So please feel free. And if you're looking for any sales advice or anything we can give you, we've got a ton of little short video subscriptions that you can sign up for as well that uh, I think will make significant impact to you. Uh, but in the meantime, Heidi, thank you so much for having me. What a, what a pleasure to be on your show finally. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Samantha. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye.